Okay, so we're going to talk about, we're tying faith in with the things that we need. And girls, I just want us to realize how important faith is in our life. You know, I, I titled it, Your Answer Does Exist. And it does exist. But it's always in the realm of the unseen first, you know. But anyway, um, Sunday morning when Susan was teaching, it was, it, it was titled Faith Check Number Two because she had taught the first one. The, but she said a few statements that just went off in my spirit. She made the statement that she needs a new car. But she can't buy one till she knows what she wants. And I think her husband had told her, well, go buy one. And she said, I don't know what I want. She said, I don't even know what I want. You know what? That, I just took that and applied it to my life. Do I even know what I want? So it, it was telling me, regardless, of course, I don't need a new car, but she actually does. Hers has lots of miles on it. But, but you know, you cannot, and she cannot rele release her faith until she can get an image of what she wants. So I'm tying that statement in with faith. We can't receive, our faith won't receive what we want until we know what we want. So we have to be specific. You have to start speaking what you want. What you need. Whatever the situation is. Because that's the way faith works. Faith paints a image, an image. A image. Faith paints an image to us. And that's the way it works. But if I don't know what I really want, then my faith won't produce it. Everything we receive from God, faith is going to produce it, okay? So you have to say it and be specific. You know, the, the scripture says that uh, I believe it, therefore I speak. But what are we speaking? You can say I believe it, but are you speaking it? I believe it, therefore I speak. So I don't remember if she gave uh, this out. Uh, well, it was a sheet of paper, and I just uh, copied some of it off. It's not those papers, though. I don't know if she gave this out during um, a Wednesday night or what, but she was using some of Nancy Dufresne's, Dufresne's teachings I don't know when that was but I had that paper at home and Tom and I were blessed to sit under her husband's ministry and and her in the old camp meetings at Kenneth Hagen's and so I was very familiar with her but she's on TV all the time now and she's excellent teacher besides that she's beautiful <laughs> but anyway but I want to read you a couple of statements that she made um she says, before we receive what we need from God, we must perform the act of receiving. You want me to repeat that one? 
She said, before we receive what we need from God, remember the word says he will supply all our need. Okay. We must perform the act of receiving. Then she said, what is the act of receiving? She said, many are waiting for God to drop their answer on them. And God is waiting for them to perform the act of receiving so he can cause it to manifest. That's pretty good. She said, we, we have a part. Our part is to believe it and confess it. You know, in, in talking about receiving, man, I, I just, that's where we miss it a lot of times, is receiving. There is an act to receiving. Um, I know um, one of my lady friends is here in church. She came up to me. Sunday morning, and she said, during praise and worship, I felt like I need to lay hands on you, and she said, do you mind if I do that, if I ever get that, and I lay hands on you? I said, absolutely, lay hands on me. Well, what was so neat, then this gentleman uh, in the church came up to me after service, too, and he said, the Holy Spirit told me to lay hands on you. And now what am I going to do with the prayer that both of them prayed over me? I have to receive it. So the, my act of receiving it was to confirm it, to acknowledge. And I have... I went about when I... I, got, I felt so good when I got home because I received... The prayer that they prayed over me. And so I received that. And so now then, there's an action that comes to faith. Faith without actions is, is, is dead, you know. And so this morning, I wasn't doing as good as I was Sunday afternoon. I was doing so good Sunday afternoon, I got out there and I started peel, uh, pulling weeds. Well, it's been a long time since I've got down on outside and pulling weeds with my hands. Well, it might not have been too smart a thing to do, but I thought, here's my question. I, I just tell y'all how I work with faith, okay? What would you do if the manifestation was here? What would you do? How would you act? If you already had the manifestation, and that's very important to me because faith demands action. Well, again this morning, uh, Karen, I, Karen and I was talking early. She said, well, if I'd have known you was awake at 3.30 this morning, I'd have called you. And I said, well, I was. I was up. I said, I laid and wrestled around, and by 4 o'clock I was up studying. And uh, so anyway, I was tired after that. And I needed, y'all, I hope y'all don't mind me sharing these things, but it's how it works for me. So uh, I thought, you know what? The man that, that mows my yard every two weeks, he'll probably come today. And I leave his check in a specific place if I'm not going to be home. And, I have, I, and where I leave it, I have to walk down the hill. And I thought, 
well, I'll just put it there when I back my car out of the garage and drive down to where I leave it for him. And it just rose up in me. You know the Holy Spirit talks to you? Now, we're talking about receiving. Did I receive or not receive? What would I do normally if everything was just perfect? I said, I'd walk down there and put it and walk back up. I said, okay. That's what I did. See, sometimes you have to make your body respond to what you received. Now, that's worth writing down. I got that from the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you have to make your body respond to what you received. And, you know, when, as you get older, which I probably am the oldest one in here, I'm sure, uh, it would be easy to sit in that recliner and do nothing. But your body will start to deteriorate. It will start to deteriorate. And I'm going to teach that one these days, Karen, because I sent her. I've got to find those scriptures about how our body dissolves. I came across that teaching in one of the commentaries. So we'll get it. But the body does start to dissolve. But we have to. Faith acts. Faith speaks. And so we've got, we've got to make these bodies do some of these things. So I forgot how, where I got exactly on these notes. That was just a little sideline there. But we have to do, there is a part that we have to play. And there is a part that God plays. And sometimes we want to play his part. So our part is to believe it and confess it. God's part, then, is to manifest it. This is what Nancy was teaching. We can't manifest our answers. Only God can do that. This is still part of her quotes. You know, that takes a lot of uh, pressure off of me. I don't have to do his part. But you know, we want to. We try to, and we get in his way. Okay, so she went on to say, our part is to believe that when we prayed, that he heard us. He hears me always. So that's part of my part. And that our answer start. I love this. Let me repeat that whole thing. Our part is to believe that when he prayed, that when we prayed, rather, he heard us. And that our answer started moving toward us. Powerful. Say this with me. Father, I've prayed about this situation. And you know what it is. And so, Father, I know you've heard me. Because you said in your word, you hear me always. And so I want, you to, I want to thank you, Father, that I'm going to let you do your part and I'm not going to get in the way. And I thank you that the answer has started moving toward me, and I receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm telling you, we, we can, oh, these words of our mouth, they just start something. And this is another quote. Now, I love this quote. Get out of God's part. 
If you start asking, now, now this may get a few toes here. If you start asking, when is it going to come? Or how is it going to come? You know, how's he going to do it? You're getting into God's part. Anything to do with manifestation is God's part. Instead of saying, when is it going to be manifest, just go back to doing your part, which is to say, I believe and I receive. That's pretty plain, isn't it? That's really some good teaching. If, you, if you're not familiar with her, she's, she's really good. So receiving and manifestation are two different things. Receiving and manifestation. Um, the two different things, okay. Receiving is dealing with your heart. Manifestation is dealing with the natural realm that we live in. Receiving is something you accept in your heart before something from God is manifest in the natural. We receive it in our heart, and then the manifestation will come. So does our answer exist? Yes, it does. Let's go real quick to Mark 11. This is such a good scripture that we've studied over the years. And you know, it doesn't hurt to go back and re-study these scriptures because they are so powerful. Mark 11, and let's look at, where do I want to start? Well, you know, Jesus had just cursed the fig tree because the fig tree was lying. If you remember that, it had leaves on it. And the figs appear at the same time the leaves do. And Jesus was hungry. This is up above where we're going. Just giving you a little history here. And so he was hungry. And he thought, well, there's figs on that, that tree. But the tree lied. There was no figs on it. So he cursed it. He said, they're not going to, you know, I was trying to think where it, what, what all he said about it. But he cursed it from the roots and told it to dry up. And it did. It didn't dry up instantly. That's a good lesson right there. But the answer, it was coming toward it. His words were penetrating the roots of that fig tree. And so sometimes we get impatient when we don't see immediate results. Patience. We have to be patient and give the word time to work through maybe some doubt that we have that comes in our mind. So anyway, to go on, then... Uh, it didn't show that it was dead to begin with. It still had symptoms of lying. I'm just pausing to let that soak in. God says that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. The symptoms may still be there, but they're lying symptoms against the word. Oh, if we've got to control our mouth, we've got to control our thoughts, we've got to control what we say and our actions and get everything to line up. Then what happened was that when they, uh, the apostles came back by the next day, they looked and they said, that tree's dead. It did just exactly what Jesus said it was going to do. And that tells me how important what we say is. 
Now then, let's go on to where uh, I wanted to get to, verse 23 and 24. Well, G- uh, Jesus told him, he said, to, uh, have faith in God. That's a good lesson. He says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and he's using the mountain as an illustration, say unto your sickness, say unto your problems, say unto your finances, Whosoever shall say, once again it's the words, be thou removed sickness, be thou removed debt, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So whatever it is, you know, you may have to say, okay, Lord, I had doubt when I prayed that time. So I'm going to pray again with faith. Because he said when we believe, that's when we receive it. Do you have it right then? Not to where you can see it. But anyway, that, that's such an important scripture. So, um, our ex- And I love this part. Our answer exists in two forms. It's in the invisible form. And it's visible form. And what this lesson in Mark eleven twenty four was telling me, this is a lesson that we're to learn from it. And these two particular scriptures that I read. He read this and quote them. Or we do. I read this a lot. Or I quote it, the scriptures, a lot. But what is it saying to me? What did that scripture say to me in Mark 11, 24, 23 and 24? What is the message he wants me to have from that? And this is what the Holy Spirit told me. Just from looking at that and seeing what Jesus said, this is what the Holy Spirit told me. It tells me that no obstacle should be able to continue to exist against my faith in God's promises. No obstacle should continue to stand against my faith. So is faith important? Where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God. Not having heard, but hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. It's telling me to believe the answer while it is still invisible. And when I accept the answer while it is still invisible, see, I accept it, the answer Do I know it up here? Not yet. Maybe. But it exists. It's in the invisible. And so I accept that, that the answer is coming toward me because of my faith. And when I accept that and I confess that, then God will cause it to come to the natural. He will cause it to come to the visible. To where you can touch it or experience it or whatever. And so you see, we do have a part And God has a part, but he does the manifesting. He's waiting on us to use our faith. Amen. So don't let what you're experiencing in the natural 
I mean, if it's physical, if it's finances, or if it's job-wise, or whatever, don't let what you're experiencing in the natural realm become what you believe. Right? Don't let that be what you believe. Is it there? Yes. We do not deny it. But we don't accept it, and we don't, we don't believe that that's the way, that is the way it's going to be. It's going to change. Change is taking place. Praise God. So I like what one commentary said. <clears throat> he said, the one condition in receiving is, notice what it said in, in Mark eleven twenty three. I think it was. Notice the one condition in receiving. It's the absence of doubt. He says, and doubt not in your heart. And so there has to be an absence of doubt when we're believing. Believe it in your heart, heart, and don't ever let the doubt take the place of your believing. Okay? I want us to go. We're going to go to Mark chapter 9. I'm, I was thinking about this story, so I thought, well, we'll just go there. And, and read some of this because there's so much lesson in it. Um, Mark chapter 9, verse... We're going to start with verse 22. This is where the man came to Jesus and his son was sick. It was a demonic spirit, actually. And um, the disciples couldn't help him. And he asked his, he asked Father, how long, Jesus asked the father of this son, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. He'd been sick since he was little. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That, that's a good expression of hope there. Then he says, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, <clears throat> now see I didn't understand this because it's saying one thing and then turns right around and says something else. He said, Lord, I believe. Then he said, help thou mine unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. So, when Jesus saw that the people came, saw that, the people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Well, he said, Lord, I believe. That, does that trouble you a little bit? And then he said, help my unbelief. So Jesus' answer to the man request was, I can help him if you can believe. I can help him if you can believe. And it shall be done. What Jesus was saying to the man was, it's not the need of power, because he wanted power to believe. He asked Jesus, give me the power to believe. He said, it, it's not the power but the need of faith. He says, it's not, you don't need the power. You need faith. Because Jesus told him, 
he responds to faith. Everything we receive from God is through faith. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew chapter 6. Okay, we're going to start with verse 25. Now, we're very familiar with this, but always anything that's in red is Jesus talking, okay? All right. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, then you, when you read that word, it's not saying, he's not saying don't think about your life, but he's going to tell you what not to take thought on concerning your life, okay? Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on it, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. And you know, this just, is that not a picture of the world today? All this concern, what am I going to eat? I mean, you get up in the morning, what am I going to cook today? <laughs> you know, well, what am I going to wear tomorrow? Well, I said last night what I was going to wear today. I mean, you know, it's just little bitty things. He says, that's not important. But when he gets down to that verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Well, we'll go on and read that. So he's talking about the cares of life here. Okay. And for you, but what you should put on is not the life more than food and more than what you're going to wear Behold, the fowls of the air, he gives us this example. The fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. But you see, what he's saying there is, I've given you sowing and reaping. I've given you that, that law, that spiritual law of sowing and reaping. And you can have these other things by sowing and reaping. Okay, so, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Yes, we are. For one thing, he gave us a plan. He told us to sow, to reap, to give, and you shall receive. So we can change what we need. We can change what we, if we need clothes, if we need food. If we need gas in the car, we can change that by sowing and reaping. The, and the, the uh, flowers and the birds there, they don't have that privilege. So he takes care of them. He just, it's just automatic. He just takes care of them. So which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit or one inch under your statue? When you stand before your mirror, can you stand there and say, grow one inch, body? That's what he's talking about. No. You, you may think you're, you may wish you were taller, or you may wish you were shorter, but he says, which of you, by taking thought, thinking on it, can change your stature? And why take ye, and that means anxious thought, and why take ye anxious thought for raiment, for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not. Neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, 
and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He has given us the way to have whatever we need. Your answer is in this word. And he goes on and says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Here comes that doubt. Or what shall we drink? Or wherefore all shall we be clothed? He says, Don't say it. Why? Because you can have what you say. You will have what you say. So, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. You have need. You need food. You need clothing. You need gas in your car. You need this and you need that. He says he knows you need that. And he's going to tell you how to get it. He loves us that much. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, it's really important that you understand that. He's saying, but seek ye the way the kingdom operates. If we seek first the way the kingdom operates, it's by faith. It's by saying, you know, it involves our speech. So, Seek first the way the kingdom of God works and his righteousness, right standing with him, and all these things will be added to you. If we seek and we learn his ways of faith, these things are going to be, they'll come to us. Faith reaches into the realm of the unseen, remember, of the invisible and brings into the visible. That's how important faith is. What do you need today? What do you need? Then you got to learn the way the kingdom works. The sowing, the reaping, the, 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 the laws of prosperity. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. The tithing. He opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing that you don't even have room to receive it. See, there are spiritual laws so you could have exactly what you need and have more than what you need. He says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow is going to take thought for, for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Talking about, you know, there's enough going on. Uh, we've got to, to really work on our faith. We really do. Uh, he's talking about being anxious and by worrying in this. Don't worry about what. Just learn these principles. Learn how to operate in faith. Don't give voice to all of those things that you don't have. He, that's basically to me what he's saying. Quit saying what you don't have. Because that's what you're going to have. It's what you don't have. The things that you're saying that you need. He tells them in verse 33 how they can have all these things. He said, seek the ways of the kingdom, and you'll have them. Um, there's a scripture in Hebrews 6 that really struck me. Uh, actually, Susan was teaching, and she didn't have anything to say about this scripture, but I was reading a cross-reference when she was teaching Sunday. But something in Hebrews 6, verse 9, 
stood out to me. But beloved, we are persuaded better things for you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And that phrase just jumped out at me. The things that accompany salvation. You know, maybe we need to think about that. There are things that accompany our salvation. And, you know, those things are health, there's prosperity, there's peace. Just all of those things accompany our salvation. But am I lacking in any of those? I should be having those in my life. Things that accompany salvation. And then when you read above that verse 9, uh, I did a lot of reading. He's talking about the thorns and the briars and, and in, on the land. He's talking about the ground that has thorns and briars leading up to this particular scripture here. So, but he's comparing that to our lives. That if we have these thorns and briars, these things in our life, and I love, this is the, um, I'm trying to think what commentary said this. This is what one of the commentaries said. If we have these things in our life, then we are bringing ourselves nigh unto the curses. Wow. You think about that. All of these things that he's talking about here, the, the thorns, the briars, the, the sins, the little things, the wrong confessions, the uh, worrying and being fretful. He says these things in your life will bring you nigh to the curses. That's pretty powerful. Boy, that makes me want to clean my soul out because I don't want to be brought nigh to the curses. But he was encouraging them then by saying, I, this is, I don't, like I said, I can't give you the commentary. I didn't write that down. He was encouraging them by saying, I expect, I expect better things of you. Things that accompany your salvation. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about that. What things accompany my salvation? My being born again. My being a child of God. Uh, just, just think about that. What those things are. Um, you know, John 10.10, 10, you know that scripture, talks about the Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have life more, one, more abundantly. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I thought, you know what, I'm going to look up some commentaries on that. And so I did. But remember that Satan comes, that's his purpose, that's his mission, is to kill, steal, and to destroy. But when I looked up in God's Word translation, it says, have life and have everything they need. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have everything that you need. It, that's part of your salvation. And then in the Message Bible, it said... I have come that you might have a better life than ever dreamed. Wow. Dream big. Yes. And the Amplified says, 
that they may have and enjoy life. Now, this is about you and about me. That they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That accompanies our salvation. Those things do. So you might want to go back and read that. The Matthew Henry commentary. Christ comes to give life something more, something better. A life with advantage. Woo-hoo! That's Matthew Henry. Now, that Matthew Henry is always about a page in your... It, it's so long, and so you have to go down to the area that you're looking for to get this. But I love that. He has come that we could have a life with a better advantage. That in Christ, we might not only live, but live comfortably, live plentifully, Live and rejoice. Is that not powerful? That accompanies our salvation. That's what we should be living. All of this. But we have to know his principles. So that faith will come for these things. Now, most of you know Jeremiah 29. Uh, Let me see. Let me turn there. But, but normally we, we quote this and we just read a little bit of Jeremiah 29. But I'm going to read verse 1 and then I'm going to drop down to verse 4 because you need to know the setting here. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem under the residue of the elders which were carried away captives and to the priest and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. From Jerusalem, they were carried out of Jerusalem to Babylon, okay? And we'll, we'll look at that in just a minute because my mind was not getting all of that when I was studying this. Now, in verse 4, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, <clears throat> The God of Israel unto all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. So they were carried away from their home to Babylon. And I thought, you know, that always bothered me. And so um, one commentary said this. or, Or he explains this statement right here, and I like that. The exile where it says God removed them from home to Babylon... He says the exile was God's doing for their good. Well, how many times has he told like Moses and different ones, Abraham, leave your country and go where I'm telling you to go? Well, that's what he's saying here. That's what God did with them. He took them out of the country. There was so much evil there. He took them in exile to Babylon. So that that helped me with that. And he said they were to make the best of their position that they were in in Babylon. Um, And acquire wealth, this is one of those commentaries, and influence and become powerful. And if they were always looking for an opportunity to return home, they would rapidly fall into poverty and would just dwindle away. God knows what he's doing. You know, I've heard people say, 
You know, I just felt impressed that I was to move to Russellville. They left their home. I think of Mary Collins and how that they felt like they were supposed to leave Colorado. Well, that's the same principle here. And to come to Arkansas. They didn't understand that, but they do now. They do now. Praise God. This helps you to understand why God moved these uh, Israelites out of uh, Jerusalem into Babylon. It was for their good. And here's the instructions he gave them. Uh, verse 5. Build ye houses. Now look at this. He's saying continue to live. Girls, I don't care where you are today. What's going on? Continue to live. And that's what he's basically saying. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and begat sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Wow. Don't quit living, girls. Don't quit living. Regardless of what the world looks like, regardless of what they're saying, keep living, living, keep sowing, keep... You know, I know our, our young ladies that I know sometimes they may think, oh, well, sh maybe I shouldn't have any more children because the world's getting so bad. Continue living. Continue living. Amen. That's a good message there. Because if they didn't, they would have diminished. They would have diminished. So they had to, they had to make a home there. He says, and seek the peace of the city where you're at, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. Pray for where, where you find yourself, amen, where he's moved you to. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your daviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams that you cause um, to be dreamed. For they prophesy. Now, now notice uh, one commentary said these false prophets followed them to where God had moved them to. And they were messing with their mind. He said they're going to prophesy first time. For they prophesy to you falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. They followed you here. They're after you. And they're trying to prophesy bad things over you. I'm telling you, there's so many people out there prophesying what this world's coming to. And, and I mean, you hear it coming out of their mouths. He said, I didn't tell them to say that. He said, I have not sent them. So they were false prophets. There may be somebody come to you and say, do this or don't do that. Well, you need to listen to your own heart and what God has for you and where he's placing you, okay? For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years, now he's telling them, you're going to be there 70 years. That after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. Jesus is coming. He's going to visit us. He's coming to this earth. He's going to, 
you know, he's going to gather us up. I'm telling you what, my grandson Wade and Tom Underhill are going to be on those horses leading the way. I can just see him roping and riding. Hallelujah. He says, um, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. My good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know, this is the one we quote all the time. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And your Amplified says to give you a future and a hope. And so we quote this, but this is for us also. And I think it's important that, that we know what his plans are for us. Because he knows. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil. He says, and my thoughts are to give you an expected end. They, my thoughts towards you, my plans towards you are to give you an expected end. And I love those scriptures. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. Praise God. I tell you, those scriptures there are so powerful. Now then, it, it said in that verse 8 that, that the false prophets and all had followed these people. But they had been suffering cruelly from them in their previous home. And that's why God moved them out of Jerusalem into Babylon. But he told them, you just keep living here. You keep producing it. Isn't that neat? So regardless of what's going on in the world today, let's live. Let's continue to live. Praise God. So my, the message to me is don't quit living. Don't quit living. Don't give up. Um. And also in that verse 14 in the, um, the Barnes commentary, I thought this interesting, where it says, turn away your captivity. The Barnes commentary says that means he will restore their prosperity. See, they left everything. Okay, now then. Uh, I need those passed out. Somebody want to help? Do you want, I'll get somebody else to do it. You won't have to put your shoes on. Okay. Okay, if you all want to go down one side and up the other. I, I've had these. Um, I wanted to read these. I wanted you to have them in your hand when I read them. But uh, I left rube on that. So when you take these home, you, you might want to write on them. But I'll wait until you get those. But I've been reading a book by Kenneth and Glory, Gloria Copeland. That's kind of an older book. And I thought this was so interesting, and it ministered to me, so I thought I'd pass these out, some of the things. But uh, when we're talking about don't quit living, then the question comes, what's next? What's next for my life? And this really helped me and ministered to me in a great way, I gave one. This is what I gave to uh, Wesley earlier, and I gave one to Dylan also, who's on our staff. But these are comments 
by Kenneth Copeland on stretching our faith and by putting a demand on it. Does everybody have one now? By stretching our faith, because remember last week we talked about we need to stretch our faith, and that's what he was talking about. And so this is questions that you need to answer and that I need to answer about what's next. What's the next step from where you are right now, today? What is the next step for you? Have you thought about that? He says, look at your situation and surroundings and decide what the next step up should be. Now, what I want you to do is take these home and, and really think about these. Uh, where should you be in your giving? What's the next step up? A lot of thought. Where should you be in your income? What's your next step up and how am I going to get there? If you want your income increased, if it needs to be increased, you need to step up. Find out how you're going to get there. Okay? How should your physical body feel? Things for us to think about. I thought this was so good. Where should you be in the call God has put on your life? What's the next step up for me with the call that God has on my Everybody has a call. It's not the same. It's not the fivefold ministry. But there's a call on you. And it, and it may be, you know, we have people that cook. That's their calling. We have people that do different things, but what's the step up? What can I do more? You know, it's just really something to think about these things. So, what's the next step toward what should be? Now, you have to stop and think about that. Okay, what should be? What should my life be becoming? What is my next step up? Because it's just like getting in that recliner. If you sit down, there's not going to be any changes in your life. But what is my next step up? You know, and most of these you're going to have to go before the Lord and, and ask him, what is my next step up? What is the, you know, what can I do? What is it I'm supposed to be doing? Am I, at, am I stagnant? Everybody can do something more and you know when we're doing what God wants us to do it's, it just brings so much satisfaction and joy and peace now then I also put on there the, the uh, statement that Susan made Sunday morning uh, which I started out with I think do I even know what I want and I want you to stop and, and, and to give some thoughts to these statements but do you even know what God wants? What is his next step up? I didn't put that on here, but what is his next step up for me? Do I know what he wants? I want what he wants. Amen. And there is a step up for our life. And I'm telling you, and because we're not living the more abundant life, the enjoyable life that he wants us to have, we, we may be comfortable. 
because he talks about us having a comfortable life. But we can get too comfortable just where we are. But there's a step up for you. I'm excited about my step up. That means I'm going to be busier. And you know what? It's his problem to give me the energy. I confess it and believe it. And, and at, at my age, you know, things change. Like my, the ministry that I'm in has changed from what it used to be. And yours will change also. But find out what it is. So I love that. So, uh, and I love this quote in, in closing. It takes the same faith to believe God for cash up front as it does to believe him for 30 payments. <laughs> now pause and think on that. It's the same faith. It's God's faith. It takes the same faith for you to get cash as it is for you to pay monthly payments. That's pretty good, isn't it? I like that. So my challenge to all of us is to get in agreement with God's word and let our faith grow past our circumstances. I want my faith to get so big that it will outgrow the circumstances that's coming against me. It will. But that's how important faith is to you and I. The just, he said, shall live by faith. And yet, we just put this on a shelf somewhere and we depend on a pastor or Sunday school teacher or praise and worship leader to do all of that for us. Well, it's good that you're coming and that you're listening, but take your note and, you know, find a, a time to go back over them and say, okay, God, what is this that you're trying to tell me? We all have so much word in us that we need to be sharing it. And God opens the opportunity. He brings people across your path that you can share with and minister to. But let's start sharing some of these things. But whatever your need is today, I'm saying that your faith is going to outgrow the circumstances. Amen. Are you in agreement with that? Yes. Okay. All right. Let's stand. Now, when I do this and say, I love this word, you know what I'm talking about. Because it's my answer. Your answer does exist. And you need to start confessing that. My answer exists, and it's in the invisible, and I'm going after it. I'm determined to go after it. Amen. You wonder why you moved to Marlton and I didn't, you know, find it out. Praise God. You don't have the full vision of it yet, but it's there. And, and you know, that, that we trust God when we make these moves. We sold our motor company that we owned in England, Arkansas, and moved back to Russellville. He took us out of Egypt... <laughs> out of the mosquitoes, and we brought Karen Wilkins with us. She worked for Tom, and her, her husband worked for us in the motor company. But think about these things.
he has a plan. And, and he moved us here. Now we know why. We know why. We, we began to see why he moved us here. And, you know, Charles Capps, uh, some of you do, some of you don't have grown up with him. But he told Tom, because Charles' ministry was worldwide. And he was so busy, he couldn't get to all of his meetings. So he told Tom, I'm going to start uh, giving you part of those meetings. And Tom said, no. That's not what he was called to do. And we know what he was called to do. It was to pastor. But see, false things can be presented to you. Oh boy, I, I, this is going somewhere. <laughs> um, God's ministering to you. But let him minister to you. But we were supposed to move back here. At the time, we didn't know. Now, Tom, we were, we were coming to Russellville. And doing share groups in homes. We went to North Arkansas, did share groups in homes. We went everywhere of teaching the word. But that was not his ultimate desire for us. It was to pastor, to start a church here. And here we are. Amen. I love y'all. Don't you just love this word? And you know, it, it helps to have somebody. I'm not saying don't... <coughs> Uh, I know you do study, but but it's important that you take these notes and see what the Holy Spirit has for you because you're going to outgrow your circumstance. I love that. Well, Father, these are your girls. <laughs> oh, how you love them. And, Father, they are actually my sisters. And I love every one of them dearly. I thank you, Father, for your word of God. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's the revealer of truth, the Holy Spirit who is our teacher, the Holy Spirit who is our comforter. And Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit do a work in every one of us, bringing to our remembrance the things that we need to get out of this lesson today. And we're going to be obedient to do them in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a super great day.